0: right with you hello hello and welcome back in case you all have not noticed we have completely changed our branding now what is now get your own damn fish podcast um what does that mean (laughs) for those of you who don't know about the book buy your own damn book at GetYourOwnDamnFishBook.com and find out for yourself. However, our worldview has not changed. Um, real topics, real experiences, and real resources. So since the beginning, we have uh, been sharing with you business professionals um, in a various, uh, various areas of expertise who have shared their journey and their resources. So today we have a very special guest, Whose very title that she has held since the two thousand says mm-hmm. volumes. She is the president of the League of Black Women, an organization that does leadership research into how black women again, uh, uh, how black women advance against our own ambitions and provide uh, platforms and resources therewith. So without further ado, I bring to you President Sandra Finley. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to be here with you. I I am I'm absolutely honored. Um, I was just doing a whole lot of research about you before this interview and I'm I'm absolutely in awe and appreciate you taking your time uh, to come on the show.
1: Wow! Thank you so much for the for the invitation and for what we're going to talk about. You know the conversation
0: itself. Absolutely. It. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to, I would like for our audience to get to know the Sandra before all of the accolades. You know because you sound like you can walk on water, but I want <laughs> <let>, to <laughs> I want to let let folks know that um, you know we're human and we go through our journey. Um, we didn't just pop out and wind up with titles like president. So where'd you grow up? What was family life like for you?
1: Let's see. I, I think the coolest, most fun thing is, uh, is, is to just kind of bridge from what you just said, walking on water. I cannot, but I did learn to swim because I wanted to cross water. And uh, when I think about growing up, it was about learning to swim. Mm. Um, it, it was about um, living on the west side of Chicago, and I was uh, the oldest of four children, mm-hmm. mom and dad, and my grandmother lived, and we all of us, seven of us, lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Wow, a two-bedroom apartment. Now, what was, what was what was insightful about that is how we made that work, how the family made that work, how we how we slept. <laughs> a two-bedroom apartment,
0: like sausages.
1: So we, like, well, well, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was cozy, it was familial, but the short of it is, my, in one bedroom, my parents slept in with a baby bed up against the wall where the baby was, whoever the baby, the baby was slept there and the baby, so three of them. And then in the second bedroom is my grandmother and my sister Janice, they share a bed. And then in the front room on, on the couch is my brother's bed that he makes up and rolls up every day. You know, and mm. then makes up his bed, his pallet, and then gets out of it in the morning and rolls it back up so that, you know, the couch is available. And then I slept on a rollaway bed in the kitchen against the wall with the uh, the, the potbelly stove right there at the, at the other end of my head. And let me tell you, I grew for many years living in that space. I was 10 years old before we moved. I never thought anything
0: was wrong about that. <laughs> like, this, don't everybody sleep in the kitchen? Like, well, it, it was my place.
1: It was my space. But you have to remember, I was a child growing up. I was not the parents responsible Right. for trying to pull it all together, making it work day to day and that sort of thing. So consciousness of, and a thought of how you live and how you grow has to do with what role do you and what responsibilities do you have in that stretch of the life. And as a child, it wasn't my responsibility to do anything but what I was told to do. right and my
0: parents ran ran the ship awesome i always tell people like your your childhood um is the collateral situation of your parents thoughts and actions they had nothing to do with you
1: (laughs) you you know they were young people at this time so they're raising children and running a household working and holding it down at the same time their youth is being uh you know uh, lived in the space of this, of this time as well. Yeah. And I can look back on that and I can see them as young people when I was very young, though. I didn't see them as young people. They were the iconic mama and daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> you have both parents at home. I have both parents at home. Yes, indeed. That's mm-hmm. beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what was, uh, what about your education? Where'd you go to school?
1: Well, uh, on the west side of Chicago, in the neighborhood where I lived, uh, you, you went to the district schools, you know, they had to do where you were. So for me, that was Manly High School, I mean, Manly Grammar School and Marshall High School. Marshall High, Yeah.
0: Marshall High.
1: Marshall High School. And when I graduated from high school, then it was time to reach for college, which is what the aim was, but nobody in the family had ever been. Oh, wow. So pretty much on me to figure out how you get yourself to college. And I talked to the school counselor, about that, and he was not helpful at all uh, mm-hmm. in terms of um, what I was really asking, which is not only information, but how do you even think about making a choice like that? And he, I noticed he was a white man, he had a ring on his finger. I said, what school did you go to? And he said, he went to Loyola. Mm-hmm. But then he looked down, he said, but you, you don't wanna go there, you wouldn't do well there. And I uh, took that as a challenge, applied to Loyola was accepted there with another couple of schools who had been, with names I did not really recognize. And uh, went myself on there mostly because he seemed to say to me that he didn't think I could do that.
0: I love it. <laughs> well, watch me. Watch, watch
1: me at it too. Now, now, now sometimes you're, you're reaching for things uh, without having any way to understand the society around the thing you're reaching for. Mm-hmm. Because there was was not enough money for me to go live on the campus. It was on the North side, I live in West side. I commuted every day from one world to the other on buses and trains, buses and trains every day. Wow! And when I got a summer job, which was downtown Chicago. So I'm, I'm doing this three thing. You get up in the morning, you go to school, you get up a school, you go downtown, you go do your job. I worked at Marshall Fields on the budget floor. Mm. And then you come back home and then you do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Wash, rinse, repeat. Yes, indeed. You just wash and repeat and doing homework on the train and bus and naps and everything like that. So you, 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 it's all packed in. Now, the toughest thing about Loyola, well, let me say the good thing about Loyola. They were a very uh, fine academic institution. They had information there. Uh-huh. And I learned over time, I could have gotten that information, academic information in any school, they're all accredited by the same body, you know,
2: uh-huh.
1: but um, Loyola had had wealth and things I had not seen, you know, big buildings and this and that, et cetera, and so forth. So physically it had a lot to offer. They had just made up their minds to accept uh, the students as part of the student loan program so they were raking in the money. <laughs> Hmm. But they had not gotten themselves ready to receive the students from other communities attached to the money. Oh, okay. So the battle there on the regular was 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 every way every day uh, for me. In addition to, from the obvious stuff like they were a Catholic university, I'm a Baptist,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't know nothing about being no Catholic, and all the other kids did because they mm-hmm. had come, you know, from Catholic communities and families. And um, so there was that. And in addition to that, there was whiteness. Big, big, a lot and a lot and a lot of white people in my life. Whereas on the west side of my block, there were a few, but mostly we were black people. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in, in this society of, of whiteness. And with that comes, uh, well, you know, how do you <laughs> see the world? Okay, I'll tell you one quick thing. There was an upper bound program in the summer run by Mundelein College, which was next door. <laughs> which was next door. I got four of them. All right, so they'll it, stop at some point. As a matter of fact, Cypher, stop that. Stop, maybe. And, and so it was my first time going to spend the night, you know, away on some away situation. I said, so, <laughs> I got a roommate in, in, in this dorm room. Uh-huh. And we're getting to know each other, young white woman, girl, and whatever. are friendly enough, really. And it comes time to get ready for bed. And so I draw my bath water in the tub, and then I take my box of Tide washing powder and sprinkle it in to my bathtub. And she says, You're going to get in that? Now, back then, we used Tide for everything. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. We wash clothes with it. We mop the floor with it. <laughs> and sometimes you would be washing clothes and you at the same time. Because the clothes in the tub. You gotta get in there. You, be- and, you know, you, we we just use it. It was a cleaning. It was a it was a family trusted cleaning agent. And so I'm I'm dusting my my tie in the water, and she looks at me and she goes, "You're gonna get in that." And she had lovely little bottles of of um bath bubbly bath and stuff, which was stuff we've had too. But mama usually bought that stuff and put it on her dresser and it just stayed there for pretty. We didn't really use it. But anyway, so she got something to say about this. And I look at her and she looks at me aghast that I'm going to get in that. And then I had a thought she never would have thought. I wondered how clean could she be if she didn't <laughs> clean could she be because we were all about clean you live tight and close you got to be clean you got to be cleaning all the time everything all the time (laughs) so be clean tie, bleach you know whatever it is the scrubbed up stuff we were for it (laughs) so so the culture the culture class was everything cute and charming to things that were hard and heartbreaking
2: yeah
1: Uh, of, of, about about the, the closest of it but i became aware that i was in the world with people with other uh experiences other ideas and and, and i was in the world with all of that other
0: mm-hmm. and, there's, <laughs> there's some other, and it's, it's just as you're talking i'm seeing stories of my own life flash <laughs> by and i'm really looking forward to being able to have a chat with you off camera <laughs> Yeah, it's such a, uh, such a journey. Um, So what types of of other jobs, you know, did you have from college leading up to?
1: Let's see, I had, let's see, there was a a program, some sort of student program where you would come and, and learn from the south, from the west side to the south side, take another train, the Council for Biomedical Careers, it was called. And my brother and I, enrolled in that and they would pay you a stipend to come and sit and learn and what came of that was not so much for me except for how to get to the south side but my brother actually built a quite a prestigious career Wow. from that early indoctrination to the idea of biomedical careers ultimately he became president ceo and i think maybe chairman of blue cross blue shield of massachusetts um uh, through that program and the people that he met who who coached him and supported him in his own interest. And he's just a plain genius. Wow. <laughs> so
0: you, never,
1: you never know, you know what's going to touch and, and change the trajectory of how you spend yourself in the world. And for me, I just had, I think they were mostly jobs, like I said, working at Marshall Fields in the budget store mm-hmm. on the black floor. And I didn't know why I was on the budget floor, but it had to do with Marshall Fields not letting black folks work upstairs yet on on any kind of reliable way, on the Mm -hmm. budget floor. But there are things you learn on the budget floor because you're in the building of Marshall Fields. And um, then I also, I'm trying to think, um, I worked, oh, I worked in other nonprofits, you know, just doing little things. they had that Model Cities money. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, and you could be a young and brightly kind of thing, and they would go, "You can come and help in the office or something like that." So those those kind of patch and patch and carry and and learn and do things. What they did do was put you in the presence of uh, people who were uh, really good at what they did, and you wouldn't normally have any reason to interact with them. Right, Social sure. workers are running these programs, executive directors of this, that, and other banks. And that sort of thing, and you're knowing these people, oh, heads of insurance companies mm. selling policies to black people, and you're learning these things because you learn the people first. Right. You know, I worked at one called the Christian Action Ministry, CAM, and that mm. was on Madison Street. CAM was, and I got, I think I worked at CAM just when I graduated from college, I believe. You yeah, graduated from college. And I remember the executive director's name was Al Porters. And I went in for a, uh, across the street from CAM was one of those nonprofit, find your job, city funded places. And so I walked into there and sat down and filled out my little application. And a man said, he sat me next to his desk and he, he looked at my application and he said, Oh, you're a smart girl. I'm going to find you a good job. Mm. So he peered forward and he, you know the Rolodex. He, he said he, he fingered his Rolodex, and things flipped. He said, and he pulled out a card. This is a good one. This is a good easy job, and you're a good girl. And I said, what is it? And he said, they're looking for somebody to arrange the flowers at the funeral parlor. Huh? No, no, at the at, at the graveyard. And and that's an easy job, and you could have it. And I went, I, I laughed hysterically. <laughs> through college, the rigor of it. And he told me that I could arrange. Well, first of all, I have no, no, no talent, arranging no flowers, never did. Nobody was gonna be happy with what I did with that. Mm-mm. But it never had anything to do with what my own career ambitions were. So I walked out of there still laughing and across the street was this organization called CAMP, Christian Action Ministry. So I walked across the street, opened the door, knock on there, introduced myself. The executive director named Al Portis came out to say hello. He asked me to talk about myself and I did. And then this man gave me a big job. Mm. All right. He gave me a big job. I was supposed to support resource development. <laughs> resource development for the Christian action ministry. And I would have a desk in everything and get to create that. <laughs> that experience.
0: Wow. Down. What 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 total opposite ends? Across the, the street. Spectrum across the street but at this point
1: what's what's important is that i'm learning to advocate and walk and settle and and, and, and you know push for my idea of what i'll be doing with my time
0: mm-hmm. one yeah. of your first experiences of pounding on doors pounding
1: on doors right for myself mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where i'm learning how to pound for others
2: <laughs> yes
0: i i um watched one of your um... One of your earlier interviews back in 2014 mm-hmm. that uh, talked about sisters yeah. knocking on doors, um, knocking on the door of power and getting rid of the caricatures of the, the nice lady and um, the angry black woman. I said, God, I can't wait to meet this lady. And <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Yeah. I, yeah. I was. I. Um, I was just listening to you, you know, uh, you know, talk about uh, being in positions where you have to defend our light skinnedness,
2: Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know,
0: as as black women. And and that is that's, you know, something that, of course, I dealt with um, in the black community and in the white community, because, you know, some some black folks, we ain't black enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and the white folks, we ain't white enough, which just right
1: in there. Oh, oh I wanna talk just a little bit about that at okay. this time. So here's been my experience, uh, because of the, the variations of, of how we physically can come out of the womb, mm-hmm. right? So folk will look at you and they're looking for something familiar to what they've associated with your family, mm-hmm. all right? And in my family, it ran the gamut of, of, of everything. In, in, in terms of the array of what brownness and blackness we had to offer, so they were looking. So first, the look isn't about wasn't about what I used to think it was, which is this light and this dark. It was about you know, do you look like your dad, <laughs> or you look just like your mama, right? So <laughs> they're looking for familial connections. And then when you get beyond uh, the community, to people uh, who have attitudes about what they think they see. You have to make a decision on whether or not
0: you're going to pick that up and carry that or not. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I was, um, that's, I was, that's on them. That's I, yeah, you're not comfortable. Or, and that the stigma behind the complexion. Oh, you think you this, you think you white, you think you but you think I think that out. You well,
1: came well, up with let that at all. I, I look at my face and I saw my parents and, and I knew that I was the thing. <laughs> right, really and truly, but it, it had to do with, with people in other races. It had to do with the people in my family who formed and informed me. Mm-hmm. Who formed and informed me? So you, t- you you take the physical body that you get. You t- do your best to make it work for you. In my mm-hmm. case, I was taller than either of my other sisters, uh, and 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 what they got was they got their curves earlier. Mhm. So they were they were sassy and fine, and I was still up and down like a stick. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they they got that, and they got to learn how to how to how to work and move all, all of that, and you know that I call them assets. Mm-hmm. they were, They're assets for a reason, you know, <laughs> for, for reasons and and, and whatever, because that's what they got through the biological, you know, soup of us all. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then uh, later on, I got uh, I got mine. I, <laughs> right you know, I got mine the stuff that I was looking for in addition to the things that would become my assets and gifts that I didn't know to look for yet uh, but I know and love uh, the sight of my people mm-hmm. the sound of my people the sensation of the nearness of my people and I have uh, enjoyed all of these years just being the presence you know right now I can walk out of here anywhere and there'll be uh, young people and whatever and and they will all see me and and I don't know them necessarily They don't know me in the parking lot or whatever and I can I can simply do this baby I put my hand up and they come running I love yes, it ma'am. yes ma'am could you do this for this yes ma'am and <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> I, I love the reach <laughs> you know and just uh, <laughs> you know, to the, of
1: it, you know. (laughs) You know, I am not alone anywhere on the planet. I went all the way to Africa Mm
2: -hmm.
1: as part of a a student uh, trip that we put together while we were in school. And what I learned from that trip, in addition to just the, the amazing experience of being able to go as a young person, when I came back here to my home in America, I knew for clear, sure, whatever minority was, I was not it, <laughs> you know? And in the language of minority, they the, the philosophies around the deficit and the haven't and the, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I am a daughter uh, of, of, from a continent, a massacre yeah. of millions of, you know, of people. And I am from that, that group there, Over here wherever I am Mm -hmm. the the policies for numeric minority are never going to suit what it is that I am about and I never ever ever to think of myself quite that way and the world works really well for me
0: able to see like with your glasses the connection I am I I love hearing you talk I really do because it's like uh there's a kindred, there is a kindred spirit in hearing some of uh, my ideology and philosophies come from a woman of your stature. I'm like, I think the same thing, like that is awesome. I am not alone <laughs> in my, oh. you know, in the way that I think that, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm high yellow and uh, my mom was black and I found out later that, you know, my father was a white man. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting on the line that, that just means that I get to say what I want to either side without, uh, you know, without too much flack. Like, okay, well, which side am I being racist against? Which side do I hate my bottom side or my top side? And which is which?
2: Mm-hmm. So, you
0: know, it gives me a little bit of, uh, freedom, but I grew up in a black neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. you know, before I, I only found out that I was half white about six, seven years ago with the whole ancestry.com thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, <laughs> <it, it, laughs>
1: You know, and, and the way by the biology works is you don't get to be half nothing. You know, nature makes a choice. Don't it? Nature makes a choice while it is putting you together and then there you are. Mm. And then the old language, uh, you know, the divisive language, the, old, the yellow kind of the high, the high anything. And all of that is language from, from another time it does not suit how we are today.
2: Mm-mm-mm. We
1: are the black people because, okay, in my life when I was born, the designation was colored yes okay and then as i grew up a little older the uh, designation was negro heavy emphasis on the long e (laughs) this is all in my timeline and then i get a little older and i get to choose Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of what was going on in society and i choose black you know and i'm proud that, that was going on when I was there. And that was, mm-hmm. the ideology was clear to me. I got to pick it and choose it and, be, and sign up and, and become part of that identity. That was me. And then there was a refinement that said Afro, you know, Afro-American. And then they said, well, now maybe that's the hair Afro. We're going to say African and put you more, close, uh, more closely to the actual continent, mother continent, along with it. And I go, well, okay then. Now, now I'm living in a time when they are saying to me, they, that I am of color. And I go, wait a minute. The preposition, of the of is color, is in front of this. I'm back. You saying I'm back to being colored again? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I've been there. No good comes from that, uh-uh. you know, at all. Then I you know, I know what people say they're trying to do, but they can't do that on me. Uh-uh. They can't do that on me. My designation will be my choice. And uh, it's, it's, it's set in place. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with that, I have all sorts of power of, what is it? A uh, self-identification. It should be you know, something that we don't take lightly. Right. Something that we are intentional about and something that de- is the designation that you choose because it communicates to the world the values that the world needs to know if it's going to deal with you. <laughs> if, I was gonna, if it's going to deal with you, it needs to know some stuff. Mm-hmm. announcement of who we are in the world uh, Briggs reminds me of that scene in Coming to America, the first time I saw it when, when, when the royal um, sister was coming through and it was all of these dances. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> To announce her. Mm-hmm. To announce her. Well, then our language announces us and tells the world who we say we are. Mm-hmm. And and, and then gives them some indication of what they need to do in order to get ready to engage us.
0: So there. So um, there. <laughs> so there. <laughs> um, okay. So you talked about uh, some of the jobs that you've had, and um, I'd like to talk to some of, about some of the mentorships or relationships that help you to transition from the, the job that you had over to your current position, because there's always a journey. Yeah. So um, what led from that um, position, you know, right across the street from the, the flower guy?
1: The flower guy. <laughs> uh, actually in that work, uh, they had a board of directors and on that board of directors was an attorney. And he noticed my work or noticed me doing my work in my way. Mm-hmm. and say it again with the community values you know you're a smart girl there's a easy there's an opportunity at the chicago bar association and you might should apply for it mm-hmm. so now i apply for this job chicago bar association head of their public relations department and i get the job mm-hmm. now i cannot tell you that i know today what all of the forces behind a decision to say yes. I don't know what what, what was in their head, but uh, I did get hired at the Chicago Bar Association, and I'm serving there at the same time when they're having their first woman. They've elected their first woman president of the Chicago Bar Association. Her name is Esther Rothstein.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so Esther Rothstein, I'm I'm down there doing what I do professionally, but I'm serving under under Esther, mm-hmm. and and she is an accomplished attorney. And in that relationship, she had things to teach and show me, and I had some things to teach and show Esther. For instance, they were interviewing her like crazy because she was the first woman. Um, and they were asking her in interviews, well, what, um, you know, what, what kind of things promoted your success or whatever? And Esther was responding in interviews, well, nothing, you know, just work hard and there's it. And then take Esther to the side and say, Esther, that is not the answer, you don't understand the question. And by the way, for you to appear to tell other women that it was just your hard work and all that sort of thing, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Esther Rothstein, and she said, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. I said, you you think about this, and then (laughs) come back. For me, Esther understood the society of the Bar Association, Mm -hmm. and they would have luncheon meetings, and Esther had said, I could come to, I thought I understood. She said I could come to a meeting, one of those meetings. So one day I had the time. I decided to come in and sit down and attend the meeting and have lunch. It was there. And I just bopped in and sat down. So Esther looked up from her perch at the top of the the table. And uh, she looked up again over her glasses and looked up. And then by the by she did this. And then I came up to her and she says, what are you doing here? I said, well, you said I could come to a meeting, you know. And she said, not this one, no. And I, you know, I didn't know the the, the procedures and the whatever to get clear that this is a meeting, but whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a guy and no Then nobody tell <laughs> you you couldn't. So No, but when she told me that and I knew all eyes were on me, I said, This I'm so embarrassed. I'm going, to oh, is this, that, another. She said, Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Just go back to where you're sitting. And so I go back to where I'm sitting, and by the by, Esther looks up and she says, Sandra. Come, I have. So I get up and I come. And then she says, so others can hear. I need to ask you, do you go back to your office and and look up the this, that, another and pull the what, what, what for me? I know you're getting ready to have lunch, but would you do that for me? And I said, sure. She said, thank you so much. And she gave me a clean and honorable exit, (laughs) you know? So I learned something about the decorum (laughs) of the very formal society that she moves in. Now, everybody, who cared, would have known, you know, about the mistake and the whatever, but nobody said a word about it because it had been handled, you know, over to the protocols of the down abby, of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I learned uh, something about um, grace, right? Yeah. For people with lesser power, you know, in that, in that, in in that space. That's what my takeaway from it was. And. So the Bar Association was um, a a, a really, really, really good learning tool for me. And something else happens. I get married to Eddie (laughs) Finley, Eddie Finley. Yes, Mr. Thang, Thang, Thang from Ford Motor Company. (laughs) We met just as I was getting uh, out of uh, high school, getting ready to go to college that summer at the skating rink on the west side. Mm -hmm. Eddie was getting ready to go learn how to be a journeyman, high fitter at four. So we were going both into our learning programs, if you will. And and we date hot and heavy all while I'm in school and while he's in this program. And we get married when uh, we're through. I graduate from Loyola and he graduates from the journeyman program. We get married on those weekend weddings. Mm -hmm. you get married on a a Saturday, you have Sunday for the honeymoon, you gotta go to work on Monday. (laughs) That's what we did. Now, Mm -hmm. important about what you're asking about life and what difference that made. On Monday morning early, Eddie is up getting ready to call it out and pull it into Ford. You know, and I am in the bed, newly married, stretching like a cat. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll go in today.
0: We are making executive decisions as a newly married. I'm not going in
1: today. But Eddie said something uh, that saved me all these years. He said, uh, in the practical brother way, now look, you got to go to work. Mm-hmm. But we are married now. You don't have to stay anywhere where they're mean to you. All right? If anything mm-hmm. happens on any day where, where, where they are mean to you, he says, you get your purse, you stand up, you get your purse, and you walk on out of there because I got this. I know that's right. He says, I got this. And then he told me, because you're practical, brother, now you got to find another job, but you can leave any job (laughs) you want to leave. You know, because the two of us, it takes the two of us Mm -hmm. to pull this apart. But you don't have to stay anywhere if they are mean to you. Right. And let me tell you, the uh, power of that commitment to my well-being and my happiness and my joy Mm. was... Everything everything as it turned out particularly over the years everything there's mm. that and you he, he's in another room you can't
0: see him he's really cute he got oh. that kind of thing. <laughs> wow so, so you guys are still happily married to this day that's beautiful well next year he'll be 50 years wow
1: mm-hmm
0: you don't look like you've been doing nothing for 50 years (laughs) Uh, that and some girl i know that's right but happy marriage and that's you know that's the one thing that i I do regret that uh, my husband and i did not get our longevity we would have celebrated five years had he lived five more weeks and it was very it was big surprise we were both organic vegan he was a personal trainer health and nutrition coach yeah. And it turns out that that lifestyle did prolong his life, you know, as long as it did. He lived um, 35 days past his 40th birthday
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, just kissed me goodbye and dropped it. But that yeah. was uh, that was, you know, definitely one of those relationships that would have lasted there, you know, through the decades and through the ages. And, yeah. you know, that supports, you know, like, you know, when your husband told you that you don't have to be anywhere where you're disrespected, where you don't feel comfortable because I got you. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always tell people that um, to be truly happy, uh, a man needs peace, (laughs) peace and quiet, (laughs) peace of mind and peace of tail every now and again. Now, woman, (laughs) if I'm lying, I'm flying and we both sitting tight, tight. Uh, peace (laughs) of mind, peace of quiet and a peace. That's it. Now, for women, we need safety and security. We need to know that we're safe and secure in our relationship, in our mm-hmm. home, and in our finances. Mm-hmm. If we, are, we feel that safety, that mm-hmm. in, your, in your bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, in your home, in your room, in your bed, in your man's arms, you should feel like the safest woman on the planet. The world can fall down, around, mm-hmm. and the, the, the rafters can shake. But you're safe. And if y'all go, y'all going together. And that's a feeling that a lot of people don't get, you know, that is a, that's, that is a treasure that a lot of people don't get. So, but it's coming back. I'm gonna get mine back, you know, that that's a, the, the type of love that we share, you know, like the type of love that you and your husband share for 50 beautiful years, that is something that, that, uh, that doesn't just go away when the physical body leaves. So. Congratulations and and uh, that longevity, you know, <laughs> girl. Anyhow, I'm looking for now. I want to look up a picture of you and your husband, it's Eddie.
1: he cute? Yes. <laughs> you you can find that not not much, but there, there, there's some on, on the web um, with him. But uh, mostly, I'll, I'll just make sure you meet Eddie. I and and, and and then you will you you will kind of know Eddie and I are both first born, oh. and. So the, the 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 business of us looking eye to eye, you know, his eyes up here, <laughs> was was something um, that we invented together. Mm-hmm. We determined here's how we want it, and we here's how we want to invent marriage for us.
2: Right.
1: And and, and we talked and worked um, and lived and loved and laughed through through that model. I learned uh, that. My number one job is Ms. Wilkes, Eddie's mama, gave me her boy, her first boy, her <laughs> firstborn, who she thought the world of. He's mm-hmm. the oldest of 10. Mm. He the oldest of 10. And she wanted him to have me mm-hmm. simply because she thought I was a good girl and though not all that useful compared to her daughters and the skills that they had. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but still, I, I, I was pretty good. And she wanted me, she wanted me to care for him and love him mm-hmm. like she did right like she did and I learned to do that and then bring my own to it as well. So now that the children are all grown, we have three sons we have a uh, young women who have married two of our sons and a young man who's married our youngest son
2: mm-hmm.
1: they live in Canada and and, and so those, those 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 children are well-paired and meeting them I, I got one job and that's it <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know that's right. I look but, at Eddie every day. I know what he look like, what he sounds like, what he smell like, what
0: he breathes like. <laughs> how he moves, how he walks. Man, and if something ain't right, you know that, right know I,
1: I noticed that. I noticed that. And over the years of the marriage, uh, we had to have tough talks and all that kind of stuff that you have to do. And I learned How not to be mean to Eddie, Mm -hmm. as well as not let Eddie be mean to me.
0: Right. And that is. Between
1: us doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. the truth and the fact of it, uh, and and then not caring enough. You know, sometimes people are kinder to strangers than they are to each other. Mm -hmm. Kind, good manners, pleasantness. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So if you, you learn how to pull, you know, some of those missiles back. You don't need all that. You
0: right. Just go- so that's, you know that's that's one of the things that um, I think that we are. Uh, having a, a major disconnect, especially in the Black community, is lifting each other up. And not just, you know, uh, lifting our men up, but lifting each other up as a whole. Like, I've been wanting to tell you since we started that your crown is beautiful. Me and my my granddaughter have been talking about your locks for the last week. I'm <laughs> like, look at her. I guess like, yeah, she gets her stuff twisted all the time. Her locks look good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you I know, share. just... Locks. Lifting each other up, you know. Even um, so, my granddaughter granddaughter just got out here uh, for the summer, and uh, first couple days we're at a restaurant. She's like, "Grandma, that lady is so cute. The the waitress, she's so pretty." I said, "What's up?" She's like, I'm scared." I said, "Hey, have you ever, you know, had anybody tell you that you were pretty or cute, and you, you know, no? It's always when someone gives you a compliment." It's always oh thank you so much and um, I don't think I had a chance to tell her what happened uh, as we were leaving the waitress came over and was like oh your granddaughter was so nice that made my day I was having such a bad day and when she said yeah. that that just made my whole day and I don't even think I even told her about it um, she just heard me because she's standing right there <laughs> but um, just you know lifting each other up and um one thing that you know my my late husband and I, his name was david um, We would talk about it all the time is there is nothing a woman can tell him out in the street that he ain't heard twice two or three times this week and probably this morning you know <laughs> so there's there's nothing that anyone can say or offer him or you know lift him up more than his wife than, than home home was peace home was safe home was comfort Mm-hmm. And, um, and and home was his. And home was his. This
1: is, this is you know. his castle. This is his kingdom. This mm-hmm. is
0: where everything in the world that matters to him is his peace of mind. When his, the world is going crazy, because as you know, as a black man, as a man, period, but as a black man, you got those strikes against you. Strike, 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 strike. You know, and you're always on the defense. But home, home's comfort. You know, and he used to always tell me. He didn't feel safe going out the house without me. Like, I'm five five. He's six two. Okay, uh, but you know, and that's what that's what marriage should be. So well, I is, honor your longevity. It's
1: that kind of. Uh, he's been that kind of partner and friend. I mean, I've been in trouble over the years. Of any number of things. If you if you're out there in the world, trouble will will, will come and call your name. Mm-hmm. And I've, I carry my troubles and I sit there and I talk to Eddie and, uh, and he tells me what he thinks I ought to do. Mm-hmm. What's cool about that is he's got a perspective very different from mine and he's a trusted advisor. Right. So some of the time I'll do what what he said do because I wouldn't have thought of it. It looks like I sound like it all made sense and others, others I'll, I'll thank him for that mm-hmm. and do what I got to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could have been okay or even good all these years without being able to talk openly to him right. about everything, Right. everything and anything. So though, and I want to say one, one, one thing about um, what you said earlier about the community not holding uh, each other, I think that uh, we are held and, and hold each other with invisible hands that we don't rightly see. Because the fact is, this society and this world have been so hard that if we had not held each other and are not holding each other, we should, would not be able to be here. Mm-hmm. You see, sometimes the evidence is the evidence. <laughs> and
0: then you can find out what's going you, yeah, me, Listen, men and women lie. Evidence does not and the, I'm the entire crime scene investigator. <laughs> the
1: evidence of, of, of us being here, the society of us, mm-hmm. the neighbors mm-hmm. of us, the friendship of us, the family of us, hurt uh, we have been, are um, uh, in some situations just about decimated. We collectively have held us up mm-hmm. and we get no reliable credit for the day to day. On that day that I didn't want to go to work and Eddie told me what was going to go down, don't worry, I got this. You must do that. I got this. Uh, he felt he needed to say what he thought I should have already known. Mm-hmm. But it was already there. It was already there. Yeah. And then people in the world know about Miss Finley. You know. <laughs> I know they know. <laughs> she got she got she got she got her eyes on on, on him. And, and these boys who are now men and now these young women, you mm-hmm. know, the people who are our family, we got them going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I wanna circle around to is Carol Mosley Braun, Ambassador Carol Mosley Braun is a good friend. And she said something so cool in one of our conversations. Uh, when she says that she remembers that when people are frustrated with the, with the um, advancement that we haven't made and the this and the that that they, we, you know, we haven't done, she mm. says, you have to remember, we just got here. We just mm. got here in mm. the modern times. You know, you had all your baby shots. You know, you had uh, an education. You had some, some, some experiences in the world that were not possible just one generation before. Mm. But we have just stepped on the scene of the modern world prepared to engage it. Mm -hmm. Just got here. It's going to be awkward. (laughs) It's going to be, you know, hit and miss. It's going to be all of that. But the fact is, we are here to run. We are here. We are are here. here. But we just got here. So quit fooling around with whether or not our swim caps are regulation, (laughs) and quit fooling around with, you know, with whether or not we 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 know um, all the things of the possibilities of the new world. Because some Mm -hmm. of us, most of us, just got here. But the fact that we are here means that we'll do here
0: what we do everywhere, which is that we will run and we will win because that's Mm -hmm. what we do. And we will grind and we will rise to the top like the cream of the crop. I am definitely looking forward to sharing with you uh, some of the newest developments with Get Your Own Damn Fish uh, Mm -hmm. and our partnership uh, with Every Dot Black and Follow Black Dollars. It's a... Economic Liberation Program and uh, Directory of Black-Owned Businesses. Um, so I'm, I will send you that information after this. And uh, I just I just want to honor you, really. I mean, because you seem to have had it, you know, have it all together. You seem to be a woman that definitely uh, shows that we as women can have it all. You know, education, family career um you've been in that position where you are now over 21 years phenomenal and a happily married woman for twice that mother of three men um so you know if for those of us out there for my listeners that goes well you know career or you know motherhood or marriage and this that any other you are absolute living proof that you can do it all and not just do it all and have it all, but be graceful and um, and poignant at what it is that you have done in your position, and um, stand there not just haughty, but casting down your pole to uh, help fish and help others learn how to fish, um, you know, to get our own footing in life so kudos to you my sister <laughs> and at times sister I'm sure um, But if you if you could go back and talk to that 10 year old you mm-hmm. um, sleeping in your rollaway bed in the kitchen what would you tell her today
1: uh, don't worry she's going to be cute it, it'll happen She'll get some hips and it'll be fine don't be concerned about those things uh, but I can't say that I have lived uh, anything that wasn't necessary mm-hmm. to to the business of, uh, of of you know just learning and experiencing life. The things that um, I, I would have spared her, or the mistakes, of uh, or whatever, uh, take those away, and she might have been uh, very different. She would have been without what they had to teach her, mm. right? Um, I've told her when she messes up, she can be forgiven anything. It's not on her to have to be trying to be perfect.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's not on her to try to um, um, be um, measured in a way that uh, won't uh, tolerate risk. That's not what she's here for. You know, so Mm -hmm. go ahead, live. A lot of people love her. They got her back and her front and her forward. So go and and live um, and live well and be brave. You know, I don't mm-hmm. expect her not to be afraid. Uh, right. What you do in the face of that is, you, you know, knees knock and do it anyway, right? Right. <laughs> but but then we'll call that bravery on the other side of the action. I, w- I would tell her that. I would tell her there's good stuff in front, you know, for, for her. She'll have these children uh, who I got no words to say you know, what, what that is in my life. I'll tell her there's this man waiting mm-hmm. For her. Mm-hmm. I don't even know her name yet, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, but get ready for him. And, and I'll tell her there'll be crushes and, and, and all of that. And don't be so afraid that she puts herself and hides herself away and, and doesn't come back out and risk again. Don't, don't worry about any of those things. I used to say, uh, in, in some places I would go and they would uh, ask me to do the grace. And I would always think there's got to be somebody better in here you know, with, with a good, solid, mm-hmm. <laughs> certified background who can give a good grace. And they said, well, you know, you, you're on the agenda. And, and I learned to, to step up to that. Mm-hmm. My community was calling me. I learned how to say things that I felt were appropriate for the grace, but I'd like to start it out with uh, announcing that I was here. And that one thing for sure. I am one of God's favorite children. Mm-hmm. Favorite children, you know? Favorite. Yes, indeed. You know, my father loves me. And so in the light of that, everything else is possible. And when I really embrace it, it's highly probable.
0: Mm, That part. Well, we have gone long beyond where I wanted to try to keep you. I tried to keep it short, but you are just such an awesome spirit (laughs) and just so comfortable to talk to. Um, And I'm looking forward to connecting with you off camera, um, and meeting you and your your family. It's just, you know, I feel, I feel a kindred spirit. So I certainly appreciate you so much for coming on today. Uh, (laughs) Um, for my listeners, you can just Google Sandra Finley. Okay. Um, and you'll find doctor in there somewhere. And I've been, I wanted to ask you why you, you know, don't really care for, for that title versus president. You're with, now I have my own reasons why I feel you on that. Because, um, you know, in my ideal, anyone can go to school and get a doctorate, but becoming president of a situation, you know, becoming president, sitting where you are and holding that seat for 21 years, that is. Mm-hmm. So that was my idea of why you prefer to be called president, but who wouldn't want to be called Mrs. President?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it's coming. In another mm. four or three years, we will have Mrs. President.
0: That part
1: of the United States of America. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. coming.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're gonna go ahead and go ahead and wrap it up. I just wanna um thank you again for coming on our show. Get your own damn fish podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can check us out at fish.com get your own damn podcast.com and of course the book, get your own damn fish pretty consistent. Um thank you so much, President Finley, and we will see you on the other side. Oh, my goodness. Thank you
1: so very much for the hug and for the communal (laughs) embrace. Thank you.